Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 198 for Monday, June 20th, 2022. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Muddy Pixel Riffs. Hello, sir. Hello, been getting very muddy this week, um, and uh, you'll notice our voices are sounding surprisingly clear despite that. That's really what we've been talking about on this week's Render Distance, how we use our voices, catching up with old friends, and the dangers of wearing your voice out when you talk for a living like we do. And if you're interested in hearing us talk more for a living, you can get the extended conversation, the Render Distance, by subscribing to us on Patreon over at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. Uh, we also have upcoming patron-related events. We've got our monthly Minecraft Hangout that's going to be happening this Saturday, June 25th, around 11am Atlantic time, that is 3pm local time for me, and uh, adjust for your time zones accordingly. But it should be a good time, as these things often are, and I'm really looking forward to hearing what everyone has been doing in the uh, the Minecraft 1.19 universe, or if some people decided to delay updating until a bit later. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week, my friend? Well, as we alluded to, I have spent a lot of time with mud blocks uh really enjoying my time with mud blocks actually because i decided to start a an automated factory for them the design that i had in my head pretty much worked out when i built it in game and i've got a factory split into two halves so one half just generates mud and the other half does exactly the same thing but it generates it onto a bed of blocks with pointed dripstone below them so it will automatically start turning into clay as soon as it's produced and if you put like a couple of mud blocks on pointed dripstone it takes them a while. You, you sort of, you, you go and check in on it every so often. And it's kind of like waiting for the phone to ring. It just never happens. But then if you put a large area of it, I think it stores probably 130 blocks because it's like 13 is the piston push limit, right? Um, and it's got 10 pistons in a row. So it will do that and it will store 130 blocks. And by the time you've turned around from producing all of it, some of it has already started turning into clay. So it, it does actually act pretty fast if you put a large enough area of it together just random ticks and stuff uh, so now i have renewable clay in my world which is a joy um i plan on probably just putting that into an auto smelter and turning it all into terracotta but that's very useful as someone whose nearest uh proper size badlands biome is seven thousand blocks away um so so i'm looking forward to that but then mud obviously i've got packed mud on the go now i started making a big manual wheat field so that i can harvest that every so often and make packed mud for mud bricks and i've got the foundation but not the outer shell of the factory built yet um beyond that i've basically been clearing up all of the little features that didn't really merit a full episode of the survival guide but needed mentioning at some point or another so i've been back to the ancient city to get more music disc fragments i've crafted a recovery compass for better or for worse and i found out actually that the recovery compass doesn't track any deaths that you've taken before 1.19 because presumably the wild update added the code that tracks the actual location of your death whereas previously all the game had to remember was how many times you had died um so yeah I, I discovered having crafted a recovery compass that it still spins and doesn't point to where i last died which i know exactly where it was so i would have been able to check but uh yeah i'm, I'm holding off on actually dying so that i can demonstrate that <laughs> for real but for now people are just gonna have to take my word for it Awesome. I it's going to be interesting to see the recovery compass in action as, you know, people in new worlds that don't have all the necessarily infrastructure set up that that I do on the Citadel 
um, we'll be using the recovery compass. And and I think too, uh, introducing any players to, to Minecraft, like if you've got a world and you've got a family member that's playing Minecraft with you for the first time, introducing them to that concept is going to be super helpful. Because I remember getting turned around in Minecraft when I first started. And and the uh, we've talked about how the, the Java system of coordinates is not all that intuitive and even sometimes getting flipped over in terms of like north south east west and stuff like that in the game uh i i think that the recovery compass would be excellent for like for new players to know about and and be able to use um talking about um renewable clay i really was intrigued with your video uh about the the clay factory or the yeah the clay factory because of the chain that you kind of outlined i'm not gonna remember all of it i don't think off the top of my head but it was like stone to was it stone to cobble and then cobble to something else and then uh, if you start with cobblestone smelt it to turn it into stone then you can convert that into moss using bone meal right, right. Is this the, the, the thing you're talking yeah. about yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, so once you've got moss you can turn that into rooted dirt by bone mealing an azalea on top of it and the rooted dirt along with coarse dirt and regular dirt is what you can convert into mud and so then if you bake the mud over uh, well not bake it you you leave it out to dry effectively over the pointed dripstone that turns into clay you can bake the clay to get terracotta dye it and then glaze it to get glazed terracotta and suddenly you've gone from stone on one end of this big long chain to glaze terracotta on the other end and it's a, a really fascinating loop there are a few other ways people have done that i think they've converted um large amounts of moss or dirt or something into podzol using large spruce trees and then you shovel it or hoe it with a you know you turn it into a dirt path or whatever and then you put a block over the top of that and then you turn that back into regular dirt and there's like there's a bunch of different transformations that you can effectively loop together and it's how automatic you can make that in the in the process which is a, a fascinating field of study at this point uh, yeah, I find it really interesting that, you know, it would be very difficult to do en masse uh, because you've got the, you know, the problem of like, well, what do you do with the azalea tree once you've done it? You know, mm -hmm. like you've, you like once you've grown it, you have to move that, that um, rooted dirt block somewhere before you can turn it into mud and, and make it useful. Uh, but I, cause you can't, the thing is like, you can't break the block and then get it into a water stream or anything else because then you can't dispense blocks. Yeah, to you place can't like again. place it again. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing has to be in like hopper chains and and things like that. And I I found it really, really interesting. Now, I mean, all the other things that you would need, like the water bottles and any kind of like bone meal, like all of that can be automated and moved around with like either hopper mine carts or dispensers, or like whatever you need. But I thought that was just really, really interesting. And especially for someone like you know, like you that has a, a Badlands that's super far away or for someone that's in a world that just wants to experiment with these blocks and needs like, you know, I need six of these glazed terracotta blocks to really make this purple build sing. And I cannot find a Badlands to save my life. Mm -hmm. Well, if you don't need tons of them, you can just do all this manually. It'll take you 20 minutes, you know, once you know what you're doing. You know, yeah. like if you have the other things like moss and bone meal, water bottles, so you're going to have to have some glass. But if you've got that kind of stuff around, then being able to take stone or cobblestone and turning it into glazed terracotta, that's cool. Like, it's really, yeah. really interesting that that exists in the game. And then, obviously, you've got 
all the other stuff that you can do with stone and converting it into different types of blocks you've got skulk as an offshoot of that as well like there's there's a a bunch of stuff you can do so honestly like mm. i think knowing how to make a stone generator maybe not just a cobblestone generator but a natural stone generator is such a useful skill uh, given some of the recent developments in like what you can automate because yeah the 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 possibilities are really expanding at this point and we got an email about that later today actually this is our chunk yes. mail dispenser episode by the way should have kind of mentioned that at the top of the show but uh, yeah we got we got some really interesting emails about how people are harnessing some of these mechanics and uh, and working on them and what else could be uh, could be used this way uh, speaking of harnessing mechanics the other thing i'm building up towards in the survival guide is repurposing the ancient city as a survival base so i actually want to move into one of these things and spend a bit more time there and so i went over on a stream went back to the ancient city and took out all but one of the shriekers and i'm pretty sure i've got all of them unless there are some you know hiding underneath floors or around the corners that i haven't checked but i've been through scoured the entire city got all of the loot and everything locked down so i'm pretty sure that now i've been everywhere i have one shrieker that's just roped off using wool <laughs> and there's and there's nothing around it that can activate it and so i'm i'm kind of interested in turning that into effectively an area where we can observe the warden and 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 make it a bit more of a study than just you know running away from it constantly i think we can do some some fun stuff with that uh, the only thing that's going to delay me doing that is that Empire's SMP Season 2 kicks off on Saturday, so I've been spending a little bit of time there as well. But no spoilers yet, I'll be able to talk about that next week. Oh, great. That's cool, because you've brought Empires up a couple of times on the podcast, and I keep on forgetting to ask you off mic. I was like, well, I can't ask him on mic if he's going to be on that season, because I don't I don't want to put him on the spot if he is or isn't or whatever. And uh, that's cool. That's that's great that, that that's coming back. I'm looking forward to that. I, I thought that the, the last season... I didn't watch everybody, but I, I thought that it was really interesting the way that um, you guys divided up, uh, what was it, resources? Or like people people were essentially like RPing as like, I am the ruler of this particular resource. On, yeah, yeah. We, on we basically, server, right? we wanted to keep the number of automatic farms down relatively low. And the solution to that was instead of everybody building their own iron farm, one person is in charge of iron and you have to effectively go there and barter with that kingdom if you want to get hold of that resource. Nice. Which yeah. had its ups and downs. Like, obviously, if people weren't around for videos, then you didn't want to just go in there and take the stuff. But, you know, we had behind-the-scenes agreements about a lot of that stuff. And I think this season, we might end up having, like, a better way of interacting with that if somebody's going to be, like, on holiday for a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. So we'll see yeah. how it all goes. But I'm just excited for the world that we've found the seed is incredible i can't wait for people to see it it's cool. one of the more spectacular minecraft landscapes i've seen out of 118 world generation so yeah really looking forward to that i do have some regrets with having such a long-term server and and traveling into new areas and seeing uh the very obvious uh even if it's subtle changes to the terrain i remember looking at this stuff when i was loading new chunks and looking for that mangrove swamp last week and seeing like something like a mega taiga that it wasn't on a mountain but there was enough topographical changes and i was like this is definitely 118 stuff mm -hmm. and it feels so much more interesting than the subtly rolling hills or weird blocky mountain or like kind of chunks of mountains that we yeah. have in some of our other areas and i think one of the things i'm going to do when i finish west hill is um like move on somewhere farther away and like get into some 118 
areas and just doesn't matter. I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing, but like, I just, I want to do it in an area that's, that's generated, you know, new, um, yeah. especially if I can find something really interesting, like, like a Mushroom Island or something. Oh that's yeah. No, got super fun. 118, you know, so then, <laughs> then it could, it could be mountainous. It could be not what, what's underneath it. Who knows? Like all that kind of stuff could be very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of West Hill, is the end in sight? Uh, do you have an idea about when you're going to finish or are you still kind of going through the motions with it? Given that it took me like two streams to build a house and a half this weekend, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I feel, I honestly, when people ask me, I think it's going to take me the rest of the year. I think it's going to take me the rest of the year. Because even when West Hill, the town is finished, which is monstrous, I still have like, it's kind of plunked in the middle of this plains biome like i've done a little bit of landscaping around it but not much there's farms and then there's this giant area where i had envisioned quote unquote more farms built by server mates you know server mates have not shown up um and i'm, I'm teasing because out of respect they're like well i you it's kind of your area i don't want to like encroach on it so it's like but it's so much work <laughs> like you know so i might see if anybody wants to do um i like that idea that i've seen on hermitcraft where you'll see hermits helping hermits on on Mondays, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if I have a giant field of like beets to plant, I, I might be like, can someone come help me with this? <laughs> you, know, like, you don't have to design anything, but like there's like 11,000 beets I have to plant right now. Uh, and it just takes a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I, so I'm thinking the end of the year, probably. Uh, if it happens sooner than that, great. I'm also anticipating that at some point during this process probably when i'm done with this particular road on the west side of of west hill i'll probably take a break like last summer i took nearly eight weeks and i built the moss farm and i built a geode farm uh and a and a zombie uh copper farm so that took you know several streams away and it was a nice break from west hill so i might be taking this you know 118 119 adventure sooner than later uh, I might want to you know, branch out and do stuff. I mean, even when 119 came out last week, I took some time to go look for a Minecraft swamp, or uh, sorry, a mangrove, my, wow, words, we talked about this, uh, mangrove swamp in Minecraft. That's what I'm trying to say. And like that took a stream, like half a stream one day and half a stream the next day was looking for a mangrove swamp. Mm-hmm. So I did gonna, gonna get my, stretch my legs and, and get out of the town for a little bit. But this past weekend, um, I've been spending a lot of time with mud and mud brick as well. Not in the most successful way. I've found that it's been very difficult to work with. Um, And I'll get more into that in an email later. But I got to the point with this, uh, we'll call it a adventure shop or a cartography shop. The only thing that kind of hints that it is that is that I'm telling you that it is because I don't Mm -hmm. find that anything about the design says this is a place where explorers go. Um, And I wanted to use the new blocks. And so I was kind of pushing myself to try that. And so the mud bricks and the packed mud are in the roof. uh, And then everything else is kind of like standard blocks. Uh, The challenge that I'm facing most of the time is not that all the new blocks in 119 are hard to work with. It's that I'm finding it challenging to work them into West Hill specifically. So mm-hmm. we're talking about a medieval build. It's a medieval build in a plains biome. And I've been mostly using stone brick and other brown wood blocks. So while it's nice to have another kind of brown hue with the, with the mud bricks and it has a different texture and stuff like that, I do find it challenging for it to meet my aesthetics for West Hill. Uh, I'm looking forward to using mud again in a different build like in a desert or a jungle or like some other completely different function uh that i'm having to use it for right now um but i mean it 
it, it was successful to the point where like I can't spend any more time on this little house. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh-huh. I kind of have to move on. So it looks good enough. But I didn't walk away going like that went exactly as I planned. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, I'm happy enough with it, which is something that I'm it's a lesson Minecraft has taught me over the last few years is that as an artist, I have to be able to walk away. Otherwise, West Hill would never be finished. Like I'd be mm-hmm. noodling at things forever. Um, so what I try to do is I get something to a point and I say, okay, that was a decent try. It's not awful. But now the next time that I work with mud brick or packed mud, or I want to do something like this, I'm going to say, okay, well, one, the footprint has to be bigger Two, I have to have, you know, more of these blocks available because I really got slowed down by having to stop craft more mud blocks and then you know go back to the building and all that kind of stuff so it's not something that i have shulker boxes full i've got maybe a half a half a shulker box of mud but mud bricks are something i kind of have to make on the fly right now so i haven't taken the time to just have tons of that so it's hard to play when you're like dealing with six or eight blocks in your inventory at a time and you're constantly running out um the other thing that i did was across the street there was another build that I had started and not quite finished and I took the time to do all the details on it. So it like adding a very specifically windy chimney, adding a bunch of uh, azalea and flowering azalea blocks on the outside, doing the interior. I don't really have a name for this. It's just a little house. It's just, there's no function to it in terms of special speciality. It's just someplace where someone lives and uh, it's really tiny and it was challenging to get a livable space with like a place to cook a place to sleep and a place to wash your hands like all in one little area um i felt like it came out successfully i had a lot of fun with trying some different color candles and trying to make sure that there were things in the windows whether it's a candle or uh, i put an allium in a flower pot so that when you're in the main square and you're looking up at this house you can actually see the flower in the window which is nice and uh another lovely nod to the new lighting you know mechanics in the game because I've got a trapdoor ceiling in parts, uh, because it's such a slow ceiling uh, for the second floor, three candles are lighting up the entire home. Mm-hmm. It's all spawn proof because I've got three candles in the window uh, to the point where I wanted to add more, but I didn't have any place to put them because I wanted it to be a little bit brighter at nighttime. But um, there's a window on the alley. It looks really cute. And I just, I really had a lot of fun, but like th- it took an entire stream to get all these details down because I honestly think that smaller stuff like this is harder. It takes longer than than going into something that's like a big library or a giant hall in in the in the the main keep. Like once you've designed a section, big builds tend to have patterns that repeat, right? Yeah. And I find that in a small build like this, there are really no patterns. You're just trying to squeeze stuff in and it's a lot of trial and error and, you know, you're breaking blocks to place them in the right order. And I, I do find that it was, um, I don't want to say tedious because I do enjoy it. I just, I don't anticipate it ever to take as long as it does. You'd think I'd learn by now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I really like it. And surprisingly, there's a sandstone accent wall and sandstone above some of the windows. I didn't think it was going to work, but I've got some stripped oak in the in the roof and then light beige of the roof and the lighter beige of the sandstone actually work together. I was pretty impressed. There's sm- it's small. It's like little stairs above the windows and there's only like six blocks in the sandstone wall on the back, but it it actually worked together. So I was pretty impressed. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. No, I, I I definitely feel that when you're designing small interiors compared to big interiors, like in larger spaces, you can get away with putting in less detail because your brain kind of fills in the gaps a lot more easily. 
Whereas if you only put a couple of things in a small interior, it just looks empty. Uh, so it, it does get a little difficult when you're dealing with player scale houses like that. So yeah, I think it's it's neat. And it's obviously good that you've got the tables and chairs data pack and you've got a couple of other bits and pieces. Yeah, that, that helps. Again, yeah. sub-block details, we keep talking about them, but it's it's really what makes interiors like this feel a lot more alive. And you can get to it without a data pack too. Like I have got a smoker instead of a fireplace and the smoker just has a couple of walls on top of it that look like a stovepipe, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of goes out into the chimney. And so one of the challenges that I've kind of given myself and it's part of my, just my design aesthetic is that the chimney actually connects. Like it's, it goes mm -hmm. up the wall it, it goes outside and then it makes a corner. So it's not like the, fur the, the, the smoker is in one place inside and the chimney is a completely different location outside just for looks. They actually connect. Uh, you have to kind of walk by it to go to bed upstairs, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, but yeah, without without the, the data pack, you can still do a lot of, a lot with um, candles, flower pots. Uh, I like extinguished campfires quite a bit for logs next to a fire. Mm -hmm, I find that mm -hmm. that's a, a really handy thing. Uh, and, uh, I've been doing a lot through, I mean, uh, there's a meme in my, in my chat about like, uh, you built this city on spruce trap doors, yeah. uh, because like, man, do I use a lot of them and they're just so versatile. Like I just, mm -hmm. I use them all the time to the point where I get mad at other trap doors. They don't work as well. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. dang it. Why, why can't you be solid? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Same thing with, well, the, what was the one that I was complaining about this weekend? Oh, the, um, the warped wood trap door. It's like, well, the color's not bad. I wish it wasn't so twisty. Yeah, <laughs> like I, yeah. I kind of wanted to have straight lines. Like, I wish it had, like, a, an acacia kind of, like, grid to it, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you say we jump into some news? Yeah, let's do it. We are looking at Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 22W24A, now heading towards 119.1, which will add the LA duplication and the ability to report chat and, of course, fix a few bugs. New features in 22W24A, added allay duplication and added player chat reporting. Allays will dance to a record playing in a jukebox. If the allay is handed an amethyst shard while dancing, it will duplicate. Duplication has a 2.5 minute cooldown. Player chat reporting is now possible to report a player for sending abusive messages in game chat. A reporter is required to select the individual chat messages that contain the objectable content as well as the category of the report. This is to provide the best context for our moderation team to take action. Access, sorry, accessed via the social interaction screen or default key bind is P. The social interaction screen is now available via the pause screen in the multiplayer games. Multiplayer, sorry, multiple chat messages can be selected for reporting. The category of the chat report can be selected from a list of chat report categories. Additional comments can be entered to provide more details and information regarding the report. Fixed bugs in 22W24A. Trader llamas continue to spit at their target after it has died. So they're going to calm down now. Nitwit villagers can have a profession. Cured villagers can work at wrong workstations. Sky color is visible for a brief moment after applying night vision under the darkness effect. Frogs can lay spawns on flowing water. Frogs don't lay their spawn on waterlogged blocks. Loading server resource packs reloads twice when one is already loaded. Mobs that naturally spawn in with an environment will play the respective equipping noise and cured villager trades are not refreshing. All of these things have been fixed. And a few very minor bugs. So it seems like they caught most of it in 
the 119 full release which yeah we, we were watching the the bug fixing process and it all seemed to be pretty straightforward at least as far as java is concerned i know there are still some outlying uh bedrock issues but it's good to see that now bedrock had the beta that included la duplication those features are coming to java as well have you found any LAs yet by the way i, I presume not if you've mostly been looking for mangrove stuff I haven't, but I haven't gone looking. I think we maybe checked out one uh, Pelager outpost on the route to look for a mangrove swamp. But my mm -hmm. brain was mangrove. It, the chat had to turn me around and say, you should go look for an LA there. I was like, oh, right. But then I was like, well, even if I find one, I'm miles from home. Like, yeah, it's going to yeah. be really hard to get them back. So so I, I, I we, and we went looking and we didn't see the cage. So we didn't really look that hard. Um, I took out some frustrations and killed some illagers, but like other than that, it was it was a pretty um, fruitless uh, mm -hmm. adventure. Yeah. Um, I am glad that they added the duplication. I think that's going to be nice for players. It does feel a little bit tacked on to me, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying like you know, frogs you have to mate them and you have to grow the tadpoles up in a specific biome to get a specific kind of frog. And I feel like with all the other animals, you have to then breed them and like you have like a random chance to get a certain thing. Uh, sheep, you can breed different colors and the, like one of the offspring will be either one of the colors of the parents, like that kind of stuff. Um, I found that the LA duplication, just even using the term duplication feels weird mm, in terms yeah. of like that's the official, that's the, like if you're not breeding the LA. You know, I kind of like I kind of wonder, like, why it's not something just a tad more inventive. Like, what happens if you get two LA's in the same three by three area and give one a, a, a bit of sugar and they get the other one some gunpowder and then puff, they kind of like there's an explosion and another LA appears, a third one. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't I don't know. Like, that's just kind of like an imaginary cartoonist way of thinking about it. But like giving an LA a shard and it just kind of duplicates feels strangely basic. Yeah. Even though it's not. Like, I mean, yeah. I, it's it's a strange feeling. I think part of the problem is because you're giving them items the rest of the time so that they can go and pick them up is like finding specific circumstances in which a mechanic like breeding makes any sense. But also the idea that these are more supernatural beings. They don't necessarily feel as organic. If you look at vexes, I mean, evokers summon them for 60 seconds and then they start to, you know, take suffocation damage and die again. So it's kind of like you, you don't necessarily assume that they would breed in the same way that cows and sheep and whatnot do. And so without it feeling like a voluntary process the way villagers do having two allays and breeding them together feels kind of strange it's also the case where because you have to go out and find them in the wilderness for the first time if you've only got one if you're on a server or like if you had two but then one of them dies or something like that being stuck with just one mob isn't always all that fun i think we've all had the frustrations of like you know we we brought a cow home but it's the only cow you could find and all of the other mobs yeah. around a sheep or whatever right like i think it it just gets around those um those kind of hiccups by introducing a mechanic where it doesn't need to be breeding based so why would we make it that way it feels more magical the fact that the amethyst shard is tied into it and amethysts are a kind of a musical thing mm -hmm. like that that sort of like cements it for me as like okay i buy this like this is this is part of what really sells it and the fact that they get to introduce the LA's dancing, which I know a lot of people were disappointed that they didn't when they were added because the LA dancing in the promo video looked really cute to them. Um, so I think it's it's kind of cool that they can 
you know, backtrack a little bit and go back to what did people like about this? How can we tie in existing items so they feel a little bit more useful? And, you know, how do we get multiplayer servers, especially the ability mm. to clone mm-hmm. their allays if they need more of them? Yeah, and I'm I'm wondering if if it's that. I wonder if it's the it's the similarity to the allay function of giving them an item that makes them duplicate, and just the fact that they're using the word duplicate in the notes. And yeah. I don't know if there's anything that, like, outside of them telling you in the notes, like, there's nothing in the game that would I think hint you in that direction. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. Like, if there's an advancement for it, that would mm. probably mm-hmm. signpost it a little bit better. And, and right now there's a couple of advancements involving allays. Both of them, I think, are secret. So, like, you only get them once you start interacting with the allay in very specific ways. And so there's a certain amount of it to which player experimentation can take you so far, but then to go the extra mile, you really have to look into what these things are, are capable yeah. of. Yeah, because it, it has to be dancing while the record is in the jukebox mm-hmm. and receive an amethyst shard. So, yeah. like, it's definitely a bit of a, a bit of a setup. Because uh, you're and you're not going to necessarily have a record right away either. Yeah. You know, depending yeah. on you might find an allay before you find a record, depending on what you've been doing <laughs> in the game. Absolutely. If you spawn near a pillager outpost, you've got allays mm. from basically mm-hmm. minute one. Yeah. Yeah. So it it's kind of fun. I think it's going to be interesting to see how people end up using that. And honestly, I think at the end of the day, regardless of how the mechanic functions, it's going to be a necessity for people who aren't able to get hold of them on multiplayer servers because somebody else has gone around and raided all of the mansions and the outposts already. It'd be interesting to see if, you know, a, a, a spawn town full of people that have sorting systems with allays ends up with a frame rate of four. Oh yeah, no, it's, it's, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a lag fest, but I think that's also part of the reason for obscuring the mechanics slightly is making sure mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. players who are playing more casually in single player worlds don't just like duplicate the magic fairy over and over again and end up with a ton of stuff pathfinding around their spawn area. That would be a great name to call an LA. Just put magic fairy on a name tag and just stick <laughs> uh-huh. it. In. <laughs> really literal. Um, I was wondering also about the resource refreshing uh, bug that they were talked about things refreshing twice and taking a while. Um, I've noticed, and this could be just me, that when I even just adjust the order of my resource packs, I only have like four in there. Uh, it takes like 60 to 90 seconds to reload all of them. Uh, I'm wondering if that is reloading like each and every one of them. And that's why it's taking so long uh, because previous to, I want to say 119, I found that a lot of the refresh stuff was faster, specifically mm-hmm. um, using shaders. Now, big asterisks here. Uh, I'm using fabric with the Minecraft default loader, but I'm using fabric and I do have a handful of mods, not a lot. And most of them are like client side UI stuff. So nothing really, really heavy. Um, but I have noticed that 119, even before I loaded Fabric on, on the machine, when I was just kind of loading up vanilla 119 for the first time, um, 119 in general, I find loads slower than before. I'm not sure if you've noticed that at all. Um, and I wonder if some of that has to do with with some of these like looping like texture bugs and stuff like that. Maybe. I don't know. I, I think the shaders thing is more just Iris performing better than Optifine or like being able to That's load fair. stuff yeah. faster than Optifine. So I don't know if we can really lay that on the shoulders of the wild update. But yeah. Oh I don't no, know. that yeah, that that's been faster, but but I, I've just noticed like in general, like that Minecraft loading screen is up for a lot longer than it used to be. 
Interesting. Can't say I've noticed that myself, but again, it's one of the things that I probably just tune out. It loads for however mm. long it loads and that's it kind of thing. So yeah, I'll keep an eye on that this week and see if I can really make a judgment one way or the other. But uh, either way, if it's, again, if it's being fixed as a bug in 1.19.1, then good. That's that's fine. Um, so now we come to the thorny topic of moderation. And this is actually something I can speak to from experience because I did this for four years at Disney Interactive. I used to work for a team that was based in Brighton, a bunch of Disney employees who did online moderation for online games like Club Penguin, uh, the kids' virtual world that shut down a few years ago, uh, along with my job, actually. But uh, I'm, I'm fine. I'm doing better. Um, and, and so I know a bit about the process of moderating text reports sent in by players, chat reports, that kind of stuff. It's not all we did, but it was a significant portion of what we did. And first of all, for Minecraft... It's a big job. <laughs> like, I can see it being important for Minecraft's brand image to be a safe place for kids. Moderating reports for a game the size of Minecraft, especially something that Minecraft is played in so many different languages across the world. Uh, a monumental task. <laughs> like, we had a hard enough time keeping up with Club Penguin in English, and that didn't have nearly the player base that Minecraft does. Um, so my first thought on this is this will almost certainly be either outsourced or at the very least done by a pretty dedicated team of Microsoft employees who ha already have similar responsibilities. Uh, like whether this is the existing support team for Minecraft who have presumably been dealing with like, you know, chat violations and stuff that have been reported via the previous system or, you know, if it's going to be a whole new workforce that they're hiring for this i don't see this being something that happens side by side with game development like i don't think it's all going to be located in the stockholm office for a start it's going to be around the clock thing anyway but yeah um the second thing to point out about this because there's a lot of misinterpretation about what these features are this kind of moderation can only happen through text you can't report someone for griefing um, because there is no way for Minecraft team moderators to pass that kind of information. You know, if TNT is used on a server, there's no amount of console logs or data reporting that Minecraft naturally produces that's going to prove TNT was used maliciously. Like, for all Minecraft's external moderation team knows, you know, you were TNTing your base intentionally because you wanted to blow it up and reclaim the resources, or you're using TNT in, like, you know... Uh, a, a demolition kind of thing to to farm stone for you or whatever like that kind of stuff player actions are always going to be up to the server moderators um and server moderators like people who are you know part of that community and are playing on the same server as everybody else are still going to exist which is why i think the role of this moderation team is going to be just to act on anything that doesn't align with minecraft's community guidelines uh, these are linked in the snapshot article for uh 22w24a so if you're interested in reading those then you can uh, and basically it is you can sum it up as anything which could negatively affect minecraft's reputation as a positive experience and a safe space for players of all ages to play it's worth noting that all of the stuff in this could already get your Minecraft account banned if you did it. It's just that the reporting process was a little bit more arcane. It didn't happen from in-game. You know, you would probably have to send in screenshots of a player behaving a certain way, and screenshots can be doctored, right? They can be edited. And so this is giving players an official way of doing this, 
instead of relying on a system that doesn't really have a codified process for it yet. Um, and so that really empowers the support team to make the right decision based on the evidence they are given instead of just relying on you know a player's anecdotal report of oh this person said this and this and this which they might have just edited into a screenshot of their minecraft play right um and most notably the community guidelines say these handy community standards cover gameplay using mojang provided online services end quote uh, which I take to mean they are specifically building in these reporting features for Realms, because it's a service that is owned and operated by Microsoft and the Minecraft team. This is not going to be something that is going to affect your private anarchy server where you like to swear in the chat. Um, and I don't know if it will only be for Realms, I imagine it will be possible to toggle it on and off for private servers, but this is like the signed and unsigned chat feature that was being developed basically as a lead up to this. It is something that you can switch on and off in your server's config files if you know what you're looking for, and as a responsible server owner then you should, then you should be able to toggle this. For a start, I think the, the miscommunication here is that Mojang hasn't outlined this in a post on minecraft.net they haven't said oh by the way you can switch these moderation features off because it's an official release on minecraft.net where they're talking about safety features which they take very seriously and it's going to undermine the tone of all of that if they say to players oh by the way there is a way to switch this off <laughs> because immediately parents alarms are going to get set up and be like well what if my kid switches off this moderation thing not knowing what the process is and that it has to be a private server that they own and operate in order for you to do that so i think a lot of people are getting worked up about this because they imagine that you know some casual chat on their server uh, is going to get them banned from their minecraft account entirely and in the majority of cases I am certain that is not going to be the case. If they're if they're doing their job right, this moderation team is always going to look at context. They use the word context in the article, and it makes perfect sense. Um, you know, if a player is yelling, kill him, kill him in the chat, they could be talking about another player who they're bullying, or it could be about the wither, right? Like, you don't know one way or the other. So they're going to look a lot at the context, and this is where players being able to highlight multiple lines of text to give context for why they're reporting somebody, uh, that's going to make a whole lot more sense to a, a external moderation team than it is if you just get one line that says, you know, oh, you're being mean, stop it, <laughs> right? Um, and on the other hand, if players in-game clearly start directing hate speech at another player, that's going to be a much clearer example. Over the course of discussing this with our Discord community, a, a couple of people have raised the important point that some words like racial slurs have been reclaimed by communities that they have been, and in many cases still are, used to debase. Uh, the N-word is the most obvious example, right? Black folks tend to use that colloquially with each other, but obviously anybody else using that is going to be a very bad thing. And that's where the context becomes very important, and that's where moderation teams like this are going to be trained to recognize that kind of stuff. Like, I can't impress enough how seriously teams who do this kind of moderation take their job, and how much deliberation and like outside input and double checking goes into something before action gets taken. It's not going to be an automated process. It's going to be human moderators doing a very human take on what's going on in a chat report. And if they are at all concerned about this, they have a bunch of different ways of getting in touch with people before they take any kind of action. So I, I honestly don't think if people are if people are worried about 
this happening just to like some random person who logs onto their server their public server or if they you know hack their way onto your whitelist and decide to report a bunch of people for nothing in particular you're not going to get your minecraft account banned it's not going to work that way i yeah that's how i kind of look into this like i my moderation experience even though i am a moderator in a couple of twitch chats i'm not often that active but i have moderators in in my chat and some things that i've talked about with moderators that are kind enough to volunteer their time is that um it, it, you know it's it's up to them and it's up to us to make the rules for okay well it's not hate speech it's not anything that's obviously breaking terms of service or anything obviously worth ejecting someone for but they are breaking our rules which are like you know being rude or just being really um derailing the conversation and stuff like that and that's all subjective and contextual and that's the kind of thing that the server moderators are going to be dealing with i yeah. agree with you yeah I, it's I think like that, house rules right like yeah that's yeah, the yeah. Whole point. yeah i think the big swings like you said are going to come with like any kind of like obvious rule breaking or investigating for bullying like that that's the kind of thing and after having several conversations with friends um, in the last week that have children and just talking about online stuff. And because I'm into Minecraft, I sometimes get questions about like safety and things like that. And like, I, I dealt with bullying, like being bullied as a kid, but like the internet wasn't barely around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I can't yeah. even imagine what it's like to like try to go to your safe space online in Minecraft and deal with bullying. And the language being used is not breaking any Minecraft or Mojang microsoft community guidelines in terms of the hard rules they're still just using normal language but maybe they're just being condescending or like that kind of stuff is going to have to be more on the on the on the server moderation side because I, I can't see the official team having the time to deal with all of that because oh, yeah. that has no. to be around <laughs> all the time as millions of people play minecraft on a daily basis yeah. you think they have time to moderate all of the chat that goes on on those multiplayer oh, exactly. servers no absolutely yeah. not and also i think the the main thing here is that it's got to be tied into realms because realms is a service through which i mean for a start again owned and operated by minecraft you know people pay out for realms subscriptions and it's also something that you can invite somebody else to through java minecraft if you know their username you can send invites to people i receive invites just because my username is public and people know vaguely who i am and obviously I decline all of them because I'm not just going to go and play on some random person's realm. But the fact is, people are doing that. And that is potentially something that bad actors can exploit, right? Like mm -hmm. you end up with people who potentially end up joining people's Minecraft servers in order to get in touch with underage kids. You don't want that kind of stuff happening. And so if kids are made to feel uncomfortable in a public space owned and operated by Mojang, they need some way of letting the team know something bad is happening. And yeah, ultimately, it's a way of putting that agency into the player's hands, where previously the process of reporting another player for behavior like that would have been very difficult for a younger player to get their head around, because it involves mm -hmm. opening a support ticket with the Mojang team. And that all sounds very official compared to an in-game reporting feature that they can just hit a couple of buttons and it's there. I don't yeah. think the average player, adult or otherwise, has too much to worry about from this. Um, but obviously we'll see it develop as we go on. I'm not going to say my final word on it quite yet. But they are open to feedback, as the article says. Like, they're looking for feedback on this feature and reports that are generated whilst the feature is still in progress uh, may not be, you know, counted as violations if people are just testing some stuff out. 
then uh, by all means, give this feature a look and form your own opinion about it. But that's just my two cents as somebody who used to do this professionally. I've got one question before we move on, and I want to lean on your experience uh, in this kind of stuff previously. And uh, and it's okay if, if you're not sure about it. Um, but I had a question about things like reclaimed words. And I'll, I'll, we'll use the N-word as an easy example again. Um, and I'm wondering like where things like just the simple fact that rules are rules would apply because like, you know, people can curse and swear in regular language and, and, and feel free to do so. But if the server says, look, we're family friendly, don't swear, then that's not the place to do it. And I'm wondering in certain situations, like in communities that yes, they have a reclaimed word or phrase, but even though that is accepted within the community, would they still use it in church? So if a rule says, yes, it's lovely that that word has been reclaimed by you and your community, but you still can't use it here because it's just easier for us to have that rule. Is that something that, that you've run into at all? Or do you think, and, and do you think that that might be something that, that could be applied in this situation? Just kind of keep it cleaner and, and cleaner in terms of a, a cleaner way of moderating is a, a better way to say that. I think it's just going to be down to people understanding what kind of community they're joining when they log into somebody else's Minecraft server, right? And I feel like right. communication is always the key in all aspects of this. Like, if if you feel like the server you're joining might have some rules that you don't know about, ask somebody. <laughs> and right. that, will, yeah. that will give you, like, a baseline understanding of what your behavior is supposed to be like. And then if you violate that behavior in some way, then that's something that people are going to have to look into, whether it's the, the server moderators are going to have a word with you, or maybe somebody doesn't feel comfortable with that reports you. And to be honest, if your account is getting banned, it's going to be for something pretty egregious. It's not going to be just for the average word getting thrown out here and there. I expect if it gets banned for something like that, it would be a temporary ban. And then maybe you'd receive a caution. You'd have the opportunity to appeal. There is an appeals process for community guideline strikes already, um, which is, again, available from the Minecraft community guidelines page on their website. It's all about communication. It's all about making sure you understand the rules of a space before you step into it. Agreed. Moving on into some email this week. Uh, do you want to jump in and grab the first one? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is our Chunk Mail Dispenser episode, so we're going to be reading a few of them here. If you would like to email the show and have your email read on a future Chunk Mail Dispenser or any of our regular week-to-week -week episodes, you can email us at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The first email comes in from Kagan W, and the subject is Packed Mud Makes Me Sad. Hi, Pix and Joel. I wanted to use Packed Mud in deserts as soon as Minecraft 119 came out only to find that it doesn't look how I thought it would. I imagined it would be perfect for Adobe-style builds. Terracotta doesn't work in my opinion, and the crafting recipe for packed mud is a nod to how Adobe is made in real life. However, it's a little bit too dark. The texture is perfect, and I don't know how to alter texture packs. It's really disappointing. Do either of you struggle with this kind of thing when you're building? Kagan. I'm going to put a link to uh, the Adobe style of building, uh, just a Wikipedia article, just so people are kind of aware of what's going on but it's essentially clay and 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 hay kind of put together mud and hay mm -hmm. put together yep. in the same way that you build the, the blocks in minecraft just so that the context is there um i get the frustration when a block that should go with other blocks similar to it in hue or tone uh doesn't work the way that you anticipated because it's maybe it's too busy maybe the contrast is too high maybe the direction of the texture is the opposite of you know direction of the way that you want it to go and you can't change it because it's not a directional block uh, i've been struggling with mud bricks as well uh, they have a really cool warm orangey almost pink 
texture. I, I said that incorrectly. They have a really nice warm orangey uh, pink texture on the bricks, but with a cool, more purpley mortar. So as a result, when you put them next to a warm block, the purple kind of doesn't go. And when you put them next to a cool block, the purple goes, but then the warm doesn't go with the cool block. So I find it difficult to try to find something that they go very well with. They contrast well with some other blocks. Like when you put them with a blue or a purple, they look cool. You know, they look great. Uh, if you put them with um, some darker browns, like deep, deep, like a stripped dark oak, again, high contrast. So it works very well. But when you put them next to some other things that you think they would go with, they don't and it becomes tricky and a lot of it has to do with the fact that there's tones in the texture that don't necessarily mesh well with with what i'm looking for uh usually it's it's color temperature that i'm trying to sort out um the good news is that like if you want to change the texture uh hue or contrast of a texture without editing it like you don't need to be an artist to go in and, and do pixel edit and draw stuff if you just want to change something to be brighter or darker or more red or more blue then there's a lot of free tools out there like gimp or paint.net where you can just load up the texture from the texture file java specifically and just change a slider in the same way that you would adjust a photo on instagram you know like you want it to be more more blue or you want to highlight like raise the highlights like those kind of sliders in these in these tools are really easy to use and once you know which direction you want to go with it it's not difficult to make that change um it helps if you have a handful of blocks in mind that you wanted to work with uh, uh one of the things that i can use in, as an example um because i i tend not to change vanilla blocks immediately when i don't like them like i really don't like black sloan and i've not built with it because i find it very purple and weird um deep slate for me is something i use a lot more often but i've not gone and made blackstone something else entirely because i'm trying to adhere to the challenge which is part of the game i think of trying to use the blocks in a way that they they work together and sometimes they'll add new blocks to the game and it'll be like oh finally i have something that'll go with blackstone or i have something that will go with with sand or or whatever um sometimes that doesn't work out but one thing that I know that I've changed in the past that has worked out well for me, I really didn't like the wheat texture or the hay bale texture. Uh, it, it was something that just did not look like what it was supposed to look like as far as what it was called. And I find that it did not go with anything else that you think that wheat would go with in the game. So I changed it. Um, but I mean, like I have the advantage there of being an artist and, and that kind of stuff can come quite naturally to me and not take me very long. So, so there's that, but I, in terms of like just dropping something in and saying like, this block is too bright or this block is too saturated. I just want to desaturate it by like 10%. That kind of stuff is quite easy in some free tools that are available out there. Yeah. Um, I think Flip recently put out a video about how he made his resource pack. And so that might go into some of the technical side of like where to find these files and how to save stuff to the right directory or how to create a separate resource pack of your own, which I know is is the kind of thing where people start editing stuff in the Minecraft directory on your PC and then you're like, oh gosh, what if I'm like <laughs> dramatically changing something about the game and it's not going to run anymore, you know? So if, if you're at all concerned about that process, then there are some great tutorials out there for the technical side of how a resource pack is made. Um, yeah, following tutorials, honestly, my number one recommend in answer to this question it's also worth seeing if there are other folks out there who are like-minded and also don't like the 
the packed mud texture because i mean the texture you said wasn't the problem the the hue of it or, or whatever was the problem but like there are plenty of resource pack creators who like joel alter things like hay bales or some people go for glazed terracotta because they know not they're not going to use it and they mess around with a few alternate textures for that that will suit their purposes better stuff that fits their style better and maybe somebody out there has a mud texture that you'll like a lot better in which case you could maybe just crib it from their resource pack and as long as you don't share it around as its own distributed download you're probably going to be fine just for for personal use um one thing i will say is make sure to search for 16 by 16 textures if you want to integrate it with the default resource pack um but there might be some people out there who have tinkered with mud a bit already and found that it ended up closer to the uh, adobe that you and they know next email comes in from superior a yellow LA theory. Hey, Johnny and Joel, I heard in episode 197, you mentioned the yellow LA in Minecraft Legends trailer. I was thinking, what if though those are vexes before they turned evil? You discussed how LA's and vexes were possibly related. And I think this could be Mojang hinting at that relationship. Maybe at the end of Minecraft Legends, the nether mobs cast a curse on the overworld and divide all the mobs against the player. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Superior was killed by a Vex because he kept missing it with his sword. I have felt that pain. I have felt that pain. Absolutely. I have felt that pain. I yeah, it's like I I found that um fighting an LA or not an LA, um fighting a, a Vex for my first time in Minecraft was very much like the fly that you can't seem to catch. Mm-hmm. And also, oh by the way, the fly hits like a truck. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah this, the, this... the fly is also <laughs> equipped with knives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, it's rough. Um, the first thing I thought of when I saw that yellow Alley was those key mobs from Minecraft Dungeons. And I was like, why do they fly Absolutely. now? And then I was like, oh, okay, it's flying alongside a blue Alley too. It just looks like a flying version of one of the keys. It's got the glow and everything, but it's like exactly the same color yellow, I think. Actually, took me a minute to realize that they don't fly. You carry them around, the keys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and most of the time they just like lie back down and fall asleep once you're done with them. It's kind of cute. Yeah, yeah, they make some weird noises too, mm. and a similar kind of like um, singing or tonal noise to an LA, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind uh, of, it has like a, it has a ring to it, right? The LAs have more of like a glisten to them, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah. it's kind of similar, and I I like that they're obviously taking effectively like inanimate objects like that and turning them into mobs it's an approach that we don't get in mob design super often uh because those things tend to be like golems right they tend to be snow golems mm. and obviously like the more utility mobs like the vexes or the, the lays rather i can't believe we're we're, ba- we're both getting them confused now uh it's oh, it's yeah. funny how, how similar they are but uh yeah they tend to look a little bit more a little bit more boxy and even though they are humanoid in a sense it's it's a different scale that really gives them the character that they have oh and i think too there's a different um design aesthetic just in terms of how long it's been like Mm -hmm. minecraft designs you know and mob designs from back when the uh vex was introduced versus um you know what we get now with like the frog right like think about you know the sheep versus the frog like one, they both feel Minecrafty, but one feels dated compared mm-hmm. to the other. Yeah, right? yeah definitely. And, and and so I feel like, you know, when you look at a Vex and an LA, 
the Vex is in the game and it's part of Minecraft, but the LA feels more modern. It just feels like a more modern aesthetic in terms of character design. You can do the same thing with Disney cartoons. Like you look at a Disney cartoon designed in the 60s and versus something designed in the 90s. You know, it's, it's a completely different aesthetic. Yeah. Um, still looks like Disney, but it it has a very different kind of like more bubbly, smoother appeal. Whereas um, a lot of the characters uh, in in the 60s were more extreme like either really skinny and gangly or like they'd be really round and robust you know whereas uh, the characters would be more subtle uh i think in in say like you know little mermaid or something like that yeah um i i feel like it's a really interesting idea uh i like that minecraft legends is kind of presented as you know an assumed prequel sort of idea possible a possible prequel or a possibility of prequels as far as the lore goes in the game so it's allowing players to kind of think like oh well maybe this is what happened and mm-hmm. kind of like that might inspire some minecraft builds like what if you designed a world for the yellow la it's the abandoned yellow la forest or something like that there's all kinds of really cool things that you could do um i i like the idea too of like maybe the yellow la and the blue la were brothers or friends or somehow related and the yellow la chose a different path of darkness and mayhem or something to become the vex like you don't know whether they were corrupted whether they chose to become evil they just got fed up with the blue la taking stuff and moving it everywhere and they just like look (laughs) i line this stuff up on purpose you keep on moving it you know and they just decided like this involves knives now um I do wonder sometimes if Mojang is prepared for the onslaught of why isn't this or we want this in vanilla Minecraft that comes with a new property like Minecraft Legends. Yeah, I I, I fully expect there's going to be yellow LA people lining up around the block <laughs> after a certain yeah. point. Um, from, from the limited gameplay that we've seen in the trailer, um, there's a moment at about 1 minute 40 into the trailer where it shows a very small piece of gameplay. A lot of it is more cinematic, but... It seems like the LAs in Minecraft Legends are actually there to gather and build for you. And it seems like the blue LAs are removing blocks and the yellow ones are placing blocks. And I'm not sure if it's even different LAs or if it's the same creature and it's just turning a different color based on whatever its purpose is at the time. Um, because there seem to be two of them constantly, either yeah building stuff for you or taking down blocks for you so you don't have to get off your horse. Because obviously, if you slow down the pace of gameplay for resource gathering to what core Minecraft does, it's going to be like a long process to collect enough resources that you can build anything just by yourself. So the LAs seem to be helpers in that respect. And so I'm not certain if the yellow and blue LAs are even necessarily distinct mobs but if they are then yeah there, there is potential for it to be something where the uh one type of la turns bad at the end of the game and turns out to be the villain or something then again i don't expect this to be the game that tells that story necessarily um mostly because the ones that we know with working with the uh the vexes for the most part are illagers and the main villains of this game are piglins so I, I get the sense that that's not the relationship they're building to. And it would also be kind of weird for this game about uniting the overworld to end with the overworld's hostile mobs turning against the player. That would kind of feel like an anti-victory rather than like a, a satisfying note to end the game on. Interesting though it would be. It feels like a, a very like a twist ending that I'm not sure they would go for in a game that's targeting this sort of demographic. Yeah, no, I agree. Because I'm thinking about like there's no illagers in the trailer that I saw that I remember. Yeah. 
and <laughs> and it, you, those same logic ha might have to be applied to the villagers. Like if you're giving the villagers weapons and saying, "Hey, come help me defeat these piglins," and then at the end, half the villagers go like, <laughs> oh, yeah. "Well, I, we don't want to give the crossbow crossbow back to you now, so we're gonna keep it." <laughs> I do love the idea of arming the villagers, and then one of the villagers just kind of like looking at an axe that it's got and being like, "Hmm, I can use this," <laughs> and then turning yeah. turning into a vindicator for the remainder of his days. Yeah, it's yeah. it's an it's an interesting theory, and I I am really interested to see how the lore of Minecraft Legends interacts with anything vanilla Minecraft at all. But um, yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff lined up. It seems like it's going to be a very interesting game. Not certain that's going to be the origin story for Vexes, but we will see. Stranger things have happened. The next email comes in from Cosmic Quilfer, and the subject is, what if Skulk Catalysts made renewable sand? Well, you've got my attention. Uh, Hi, Pix and Joel. I've been thinking about the new updates recently and the way that Skulk is renewable with Skulk Catalysts and sand. The Skulk Catalyst converts the blocks around it into Skulk when it receives XP as fuel. What if Skulk Catalysts, if crafted with that sand, could turn other blocks into sand instead of Skulk? Echo Shards could maybe be a part of the crafting recipe to provide more functionality to Echo Shards. Do you think this idea is too overpowered, or do you think that it has the proper time and effort put in versus reward out ratio? Thanks so much for providing an amazing podcast. Cosmic Quilfer fell from a great height and caused a lot of dirt to be made into sand because of his 20 levels. That's something I haven't tried yet. I haven't tried dying near a Skulk Catalyst and seeing how many Skulk blocks it makes. But uh, the player can hold a lot of XP, so yeah, who knows? Yeah, I never thought about that. Like, if you have a way of getting really fast XP and get yourself up into like two, three hundred levels, then I wonder what happens. I I do wonder though, because the player only ever drops seven levels worth of XP, right? I think you drop a maximum uh, of one hundred XP, which is enough to get you up to like halfway through level seven. Which is why when you go back after a death, you can only get back up to level seven, and you don't get your hundred or so levels back. So I wonder right. if maybe that's the cap for player deaths around Skull. Still quite a lot though. That's still like. I think four times as much as a pretty decent, like a, a piglin brute or an enderman or something is going to drop. Yeah. Get all your server mates together. Make sacrifices. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's an option. I, I, I can see some servers tending that way. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really funny. Um, I mean, I find that it odd that sand is one of the few blocks in the game that is used for so much that is not yet renewable. Like we have cobblestone generators and you can get stone anywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> you know uh we've got entire biomes full of basalt and we can generate basalt too uh so sand uh, especially with deserts being more rare from my observation in in 118 uh caves and cliffs part two um making renewable sand i feel is a step that i think would be very welcome by players and and i feel like there might be the knock-on effect of like, you know, that divisive discussion about TNT duping. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons that people dupe TNT is because sand isn't renewable because gunpowder is. And and I think that on top of the fact that you have to craft all the TNT, but even I, I think that I would be more inclined to do crazy cool TNT projects if sand and gunpowder, well, gunpowder already is renewable, but if sand became renewable, I'd be willing to put in the work to do like you know not necessarily a, on like a doc m level but like i'd like to do one of those flying machines that blows the crap out of the world just for fun mm -hmm. to say that i did it to learn how to do it and i would be okay with crafting all of that tnt by hand if the sand was something i didn't have to also mine by hand um i find that that's that's tricky because i've got other things i want to do with my sand too like I've, i want to build like i want to do concrete i want to do you know i need glass that kind of stuff um 
So I feel like, you know, automation and crafting in sand is a cool idea. I feel like for me, it should be more along like the educational or natural way of how it would happen in the real world. Um, via either grinding stuff down into sand with some new function in the game or uh, just the ability of changing glass in the sand. Like, I mean, I, I recently read an article on online about uh, a business in the US that is turning all kinds of old bottles instead of recycling them. There's a shortage of sand. So rather than going to dig up sand off of beaches or natural places that occurs in the world, this company is making sand from discarded bottles. So rather than those bottles going to trash or uh, a heavy recycling program or landfills, they they're smashing them and crushing them down in, into sand that's then used in like sandbags and like the kind of things that we use sand for industrially, right? Yeah. And uh, I like that idea. I mean, you've got glass bottles from witch farms. Like if you could start to smash those into, I mean, take a look at like something like a glowstone dust. And if you take nine glowstone dust or a similar thing, but it's a sand item, and then that makes a block of sand. If you crushed a a bottle and it gave you crushed glass and then you could turn that into sand then like that would be viable it would be a you know a process but it would be viable yeah no i i I agree that it should feel a bit more like a natural process or something that we can do in the real world like i i think if it starts to follow along the same mechanics as stuff like skulk and moss creative though, though this idea sounds on paper I think if you introduce that, it starts to become the zombie variant problem, where everything has the same basic mechanics with maybe just like a small twist of like how you get it started to add flavor, but then spreading sand the same way moss spreads, the same way skulk spreads, it just kind of ends up being the same set of mechanics repackaged in a different form. And I think the main question really is, does that feel intuitive for sand? Uh, to, to have it packaged up with the skulk stuff, I kind of don't think so. I think skulk being able to make sand also, for a start, has weird lore implications about, about where the rest of the sand in the Minecraft world comes from. Um, but also, yeah, ha- has the the kind of potential to feel a little bit repetitive in terms of the, the mechanical stuff. Like, I agree it should feel like a natural process. The problem with that, on the other hand, is that a lot of the 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 sand that we find in the world's oceans is created by the tides. And Minecraft water is incredibly static, to the point where I'm surprised that there are sandy beaches in the Minecraft world to begin with, because there is no swell of the ocean push and pull happening. You know, like, <laughs> all, all of the water is just a, a flat mill pond, and it's you know, it, it, it naturally makes sense to us that you will find sand on the coastlines of the Minecraft world because that's where we find it in real life and it's it's Minecraft imitating reality in that sense. But I'm still kind of confused about how it got there <laughs> from a natural perspective. So yeah, I, I don't know what the solution for sand really is and I expect Mojang doesn't either or at least they're, they're probably workshopping some ideas but I, I don't know if they've settled on the right one yet. Otherwise, it might be in the game already because sand has been in the game for as long as anybody can remember. I'm trying to think about the, the modded versions of this kind of thing that I've seen. And the two that come to mind are in my Fabric, all of Fabric 5 playthrough, one of the tech mods had like a grinder. And yeah. You had to power it somehow. So mm-hmm. in Minecraft, vanilla Minecraft, it would look like probably a furnace 
or or coal powered machine that you would put stone in and sand or gravel would come out the other side or it would go in steps you know like stone to gravel gravel to sand or however you want to do it yeah yeah, um, yeah that would be one way the other way that i've seen that makes sense too is i want to call it a sieve i've seen it in like skyblock mods where you have to take dirt and 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 sieve it or or filter yeah, you, it down you force into it through a mesh and it turns yeah. into something else yeah and it turns into like oh this is like gravel and this other thing and then you have to take gravel and do it again and then that gets you smaller and smaller smaller particulates as you go kind of like panning for gold like that mm -hmm. kind of idea yeah and um and that seems like a viable way it's it's manual though like i don't unless it's automated i don't think players are going to be i mean as, as much as we want renewable sand if you have to sit there and do it by hand like you might as well go mine it Right. Yeah. So like there's there's certain parts about that that I find are interesting, but I'm not sure how you would do it. But I feel like there's probably a fun a fun Minecraft way uh, of doing it. Like I could even see like a certain block, like I guess blowing it up with TNT would be a bad example because then you're using sand to make sand. But um, I, I feel like there's a a fun there'd be a fun way to make sand that could be me nod at how sand is made in the real world but then also have a, like a fun little minecraft twist on it because like you know granted stone and rock over in and water coming together or lava and water coming together making stone that's makes sense that's what happens in real life but <laughs> like mining it immediately and having it be a, an infinite source of water and an infinite source of rock or a, of lava is also kind of weird so yeah. Uh, there's 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 room there's wiggle room like i when you talked about waves and stuff like that i thought you know i wonder if there's a way that you know the player could have water flowing over certain blocks and after a certain amount of time that last block or something like that would turn into sand and then you could like push it away with a piston push another block in its place and wait for it to turn into to, to sand again slow but automatic you know what i mean yeah i i get the sense that you'd need that to be a really specific block though because otherwise yeah. if you have like anything like stone or grass or whatever that's the stuff that i'm just pouring water on whenever like it generates that way as part of natural terrain when a water source forms in a mountainside and then yeah. you're just going to have weird pockets of sand popping up everywhere so again it's it's such a mm. a hard thing to nail down and I like the Skulk idea because it's a tactile mechanic. I think that's the cool thing about Skulk as well. It doesn't involve another machine with a GUI and all of this other stuff hooked up to Redstone to produce it. Right. You can do some of that stuff later if you want to start spawning in mobs and you know maybe breaking some of the Skulk or pushing it around or whatever, but you can you can do a lot of that stuff just by killing a mob nearby and watching the magic happen. So I think if it's if it's something like sand, I don't think a grinder or something like that that you've seen in in yeah the Sky Factory playthroughs that I've done I use the same thing. I think for vanilla Minecraft it needs to feel like a more tactile process than that. What if it's a mob? Like I mean we've got, <laughs> we, we got the idea of like what if it's a sand golem? Like instead yeah. of a copper golem, like what if you give dirt or rock or something or granite like a block you don't always use all that much? uh to a sand golem and it basically like eats it you know and <laughs> sure and becomes your friend and then poops out sand you i'm know? on board like, I've, I, I've yeah I've, I've floated the idea of having dune style giant sandworms that just drop like a ton of sand on like form a new sand dune in your <laughs> desert when you kill them like even stuff like that i i like ideas like that because they feel more creative and more immersive in the world itself rather than just being another inventory for us to access but then it just becomes yeah how how do we automate that to make it more approachable as a mechanic to play as you want to do that kind of stuff it's tricky the the debate continues 
In Minecraft, the the sand must flow. <laughs> Hopefully it will. Last email comes in from Gundar H. Stryker, a landscape artist member of our community. Old features and new tricks. Hey, Johnny and Joel. I've been ta taking it slow with Minecraft 119, trying to incorporate the new blocks into a build before I go looking for other parts of the update. I finally started working with frogs quite a bit, and I decided to I wanted to farm frog lights for some custom swamp trees. I remembered that magma cube spawners do indeed exist, and I went straight to find a bastion and set up a farm. Previously, magma cube spawners were fairly obsolete from my experience, or minimally used as their drops were already able to be crafted via more useful combinations of farms, slime farms, and blaze farms. This made me think about how there are other features that aren't used as much at the moment, but may find a new and important purpose in the future. Think goats or phantoms, for example. I would love to hear your thoughts on a quote-unquote forgotten feature that has been renewed or you hope will receive a renewed purpose. Ribbit. Gundar H. Striker. <laughs> love the the short and sweet sign-offs are, are some of the best. Awesome. Um, Yeah, like I, I think goats are almost starting to get renewed purpose in the sense that we now have the goat horn, which was one of the things we were considering goats were going to have in the first place and they figured out how they want to implement them for now. Um, so goats are getting there, goating there, if you will, and I, I don't know if phantoms are ever going to be useful. I think they their use right now is to harass players into sleeping, which, you know, you can <laughs> decide for yourself whether you find that a, a functional mechanic or not. But even they have the function of being able to brew slow-falling potions. So th there are very few useless features, but I, I do agree that there are some features that it's nice to see come back around with renewed purpose my favorite example of this is when bees were added and suddenly campfires which already had a ton of uses as a lighting block as a you know free way to cook four pieces of food at a time and so forth became infinitely more useful <laughs> and and the campfires have kind of gone from strength to strength from update to update they smoke beehives so that you can harvest them manually they have soul campfire variants that deal double the damage and are really useful in mob farms because mobs can fall on them and take damage and it's a non-solid block so all of the drops go through there's a lot of a lot of good stuff to be said for for campfires and i long for the day when some features end up you know seeing the amount of love that campfires have gotten the first thing that came to my mind was not quite what Gunder H. Strucker was talking about, but uh, waterlogging leaf blocks. That's a new function in 119. And it's giving us more decorative building options, being able to place leaf blocks either partially submerged or submerged uh, to make your vines going into water look cool, uh, or man-made vines, I guess I should say. It allows, allows plays, players to grow trees or build custom trees entirely underwater. So if you wanted to make like an underwater SpongeBob village with trees, you totally could do it. Um, and because the water source is contained within the leaves and does not flow out everywhere, like say a waterlogged trapdoor or a slab, you can use it in redstone contraptions for automation and different things. I think you tried that in your in your mud factory, was it? Yes. Yeah. I was, was, I was trying block? to. I was trying to fill up. Um, the water bottles that I needed to turn the dirt into mud, uh, I was trying to fill them from a water source contained within a mangrove root block, which I think are the whole reason we have waterlogged leaves in Java now to begin with. They were a thing on Bedrock Edition already, and unfortunately they don't contain the water on Bedrock Edition from what I understand. So we'll see oh, if no. there's a, a parity change on the way for one direction or the other. But I think the fact that they 
have the ability to contain water like that is is really useful and yeah i found that collision was a problem so when it would spit out a water bottle and the idea was that it would get picked up by a hopper underneath the leaf block it turned out that sometimes they would pop out to the side quicker than the hopper could pick them up could have done it with a hopper minecart maybe but the uh yeah the, the hopper was unfortunately not fast enough to grab some of the some of the water bottles before they were spat out the side but um yeah i i think being able to waterlog leaves is a, a really cool addition and i've already found a couple of really neat uses for it along with it just being an aesthetic uh thing something else that i was talking about on stream this weekend that just popped in my mind just now is uh what it would be like to apply the function of something like a sea pickle to how flowers work in the game mm. so We've all been there where you want to place a fern or a flower on this block and have it look pretty in the front of your build. And the way that the default game places it is way in the corner and it's half hidden in whatever you've got next to this block. But then some other random block you choose and the flower is right in the middle. And I think that it would be nice to have more control as the player. I'm not saying that the world generation has to be any different. Make the world gen however you want. But if you as a player have a flower in your hand, I feel like you should be able to place it in the middle of the block. Or if you want to add more flowers to that block, just like when you bone meal uh, a sea pickle underwater and it goes from one to two to three to four, candles do the same thing. The function is already there. The mechanics are already in the, there in the game. Players would be familiar with it. Not only would you have more control over having one, two, three, or four flowers in, in, a, in an area in terms of like one being in the center or two or more being a more full looking block. I do find sometimes that uh, I opt for things like ferns or grass or leaf blocks because they fill the space better than a single flower that might float on the side of a block, at which point like the block might as well be empty. It doesn't look like it's got anything in it. And, and I feel like um, that could be an interesting way to really amp up the flowers with a very simple mechanic change. I imagine you'd see them used a lot more if that was the case. Yeah, we're um we're running a resource pack that Fwip made on uh, Empires, which we had last season as well, uh, where he's got more variation in the flowers, and so some of them have two or three or four flowers all coming from the same like little patch of them. It's more like a a, a bundle of flowers rather than it being just one sat in one corner of a block. And I think that adds a lot of life, a lot of variety to the world, which isn't normally present there is the kind of thing i tend to overlook in minecraft but as an aesthetic change it does add a lot the other thing that i came up with was uh the opposite of what uh, gundar h trucker was getting at and that is that moss farms now being an excellent source of bone meal almost immediately in the game as soon as you can find moss you've got unlimited bone meal at your fingertips and unless you need the xp or the bow drops then finding a skeleton spawner is far less exciting now <laughs> right like it, you know yeah. really when you find a skeleton spawner in early game previous to moss being in the game that was your bone meal like that's my farming that's my food taken mm -hmm. care of like amazing yeah. plus i get xp but now it's just like why do i want to bother with granted a good bone meal source that i can't move whereas you could put a moss a little bone meal moss farm like in your backyard as soon yeah. as you've got moss you've got the ability to make a very efficient bone meal farm and so in a way, that's done the opposite. And it's kind of removed the excitement and the functionality out of finding a skeleton spawner. Again, unless you're looking for XP and, and bow drops. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I still look for skeleton spawners. I still like, yeah, I, if, if I, if I want to get hold of a skeleton spawner, it's 
usually in the early game like that but mm-hmm. i i often find that most of my bones just come from a general mob farm anyway so th- there's right. there's there's arguments to be made but the, i do like having a passive way of getting a hold of it it's obviously better for peaceful players as well and yeah like the the skeleton spawners aren't going to be that useful for peaceful players anyway though um i agree though it's it's interesting to find how some of those older features are getting made obsolete and i do wonder if there is a way that life can be breathed back into them in future i've seen people also suggest that now we have powder snow you can use that to farm strays from a skeleton spawner and my response is always why (laughs) because Mm. they drop slowness arrows but that's the only real difference and as an infinity bow user primarily i don't tend to worry about tipped arrows because they run out which is not what i want arrows to do with my personal choice of bow um and and tipped arrows are one of those things that i would like more stuff for in a way or like more reasons to use them if there were specific mobs that like had a lot more weaknesses to stuff like tipped arrows like i get that if you shoot a zombie with a healing two arrow it's going to do more damage but i don't see people specializing in healing two arrows the way they specialize in having a smite sword for example um so i'm i'm kind of curious to see if anything else like that has mileage i would also love to see something else for lingering potions to do on a related note or dragon's breath because dragon's breath is just used to brew lingering potions which aside from tipped arrow crafting can't really do anything that a splash potion doesn't do i don't think the lingering effect cloud lasts for long enough and there's potential there for something to be expanded a little bit but it sort of felt like one of those features that was tacked on to the 1.9 update um there's a ton of stuff really in minecraft that has either fallen out of vogue with players and that's just a natural thing based on how old a feature is and how useful we find it day to day but also don't really feel like their functionality was ever super necessary like the clock is my favorite example of this i feel like the clock deserves more love it's a nice looking sprite it feels good to own to have crafted or to have found a clock I have one in a bundle in uh, Empires now that I'm just kind of carrying around and I can just mouse over my bundle. It's not taking up any more inventory space than it would otherwise and it's just there to show me the time. But I don't need to know the time most of the time. I look up at the sky (laughs) and if Mm -hmm. I'm in the nether or the end where I can't tell the time from the sky, the time doesn't matter in either of those dimensions anyway. So I'm I'm kind of, yeah, I'm torn about the clock. I do think it, it could use some kind of revitalization it could be in a crafting recipe for something else that might be useful to us i don't know but i do think there are lots of little things like that which would like deserve some some renewed purpose at some point in future you're gonna have to help me out with the timeline here but i just thought of another thing that was probably a, a revamp which was did fireworks come before elytra or vice versa Oh yeah, no, fireworks were around uh, in terms of the decorative side of things long before, Yeah. Um, but then firework boosting didn't come to Elytra until 111.1, I think. It was like one right. of those rare point one updates that adds stuff significant to gameplay like a lay duplication does. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I think fireworks did get a new lease of life, but only a couple of updates after Elytra were added. 
Well, uh, if, if you folks at home have any examples of that stuff, that anything that you feel like there could be new life breathed into by a forthcoming update, then do let us know uh, right in, and you might get your email featured on a future Chunk Mail Dispenser. For now, that's going to be where we wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat you can participate in the live show recording as we record the show in a discord call every week and you can tune in to our monthly minecraft audio hangout which is going to be happening once again this saturday so stay tuned in the announcements channel for the full details of that we're currently at 342 patrons which is up one from last week there's always room for more of course and special thanks go out to our content engineers hunter 555 jumbo sale and yitz for your support on this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them that they should listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, really wherever you can find a podcast. You can email us at the Spawn Chunk email address, which is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. You can listen to The Render Distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixelriffs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I try to make sense of this bizarre and wonderful game in Season 2 of the Minecraft Survival Guide, and pretty soon Season 2 of Empire's SMP as well. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including illustration and design portfolio stuff, is at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. I had a great podcast with Brock this past week, talking about all the coming releases this summer and whether or not we're going to watch them in a game that he likes to call Pass or Play. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I stream Minecraft at least three days a week. And coming up this week, you can look for a bonus Lego stream. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, which might be difficult to moderate. Mm-hmm.